Good morning. What's up? Before we, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I just that last song we sang, I love that song. And there's a line in that song that, that uh, every time I sing it, it challenges me, and I just wanted to bring it out to you. There's a, a line in there that says, um, we are his portion and he is our prize. And my question for you today, for me, is if he's your prize, if that's the only prize you get, is that enough for you? If you can't have an iPad, if you can't have a, a boat or a, a Sea-Doo or a motorcycle or a house on the hill in the nice neighborhood you want to live in, if you never get to live at the beach like I want to one day, uh, you know, it, if you don't get any of that stuff and, and, then, and they say, okay, sorry, all you get is Jesus, is that going to be enough for you? Because I think uh, if we're honest, <clears throat> I know if I'm honest, a lot of times we say that that would be enough, but when it really boils down to it, we think, well, yeah, but I want Jesus, but why can't I have all that other stuff too? Well, sometimes you can, but if you can't have it, would Jesus be enough? So uh, anyway, that's just bonus footage uh, right there. You didn't have to pay anything for that at all. Now let's get to what you came, you paid for today. Um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. If you didn't pay, if you didn't drop anything in the bucket, you don't have to leave, all right? But why didn't you? I might as well just go ahead and ask that. I just had to throw that in there. Hey, uh, we are glad you're here, and, and, and we're continuing with the series that we started a few weeks ago. Actually, we started on Easter Sunday, uh, Totally Real, and, and we're talking about what it means to, to live an authentic Christian life, what it means to really follow Jesus, to have a totally real faith. And, uh, and so, so we're wanting to talk about, we talked, last week we talked about worship and, uh, and talked about what authentic worship really looked looks like, and, uh, and we're going to continue in a couple of weeks. Donnie's going to do a message that I'm really looking forward to about authentic truth, and uh, we're going to talk about that. And so we're going to continue today in, in talking about some stuff. And one of the things I thought about when, when we talk about what it means to be totally real and, and to be a true follower of Christ, an authentic follower of Christ, that really is a question of identity. And the and, and question that we would need to ask ourselves is, how do we identify ourselves, and, and are we really the people we identify ourselves as? Do, do, we, do we really, or, you know, we dress certain ways, we want to look certain ways, we want our cars to be certain ways, we want to live in certain neighborhoods, and is that really who we are? We're trying to put on an image of somebody that we're not. And, uh, and when it comes to identifying yourself as a Christian, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, one, one way you can identify yourself as a Christian, you can put a little fish sticker on the back of your car, Right? And, uh, and, and if you've got one of those on your car, good for you. You know, you're identifying yourself as a Christian. Just remember that when somebody cuts you off and you pull up beside them and throw them the one-finger salute, just remember that you've got a fish on the back of your car, okay? You know, that, that's one of those things that we do sometimes. We put the, or another way we can identify ourselves as Christians, we can wear these Christian T-shirts that look like they're another kind of T-shirt, like you're walking down the mall, oh, cool, that guy's got an Abercrombie and Fitch shirt on. And then you get up, oh, wait a minute, that says a breadcrumb and fish. And then that makes you want to go home and read the gospel and get saved because you saw that, right? And so there's lots of different ways that we can ID ourselves as Christians. You can change your Facebook status to say religious views Christian. And, uh, and you, you can put that on there. And, and so uh, there's lots of ways we can do that. But I want to talk today about a way that we can identify ourselves as Christians. It's been going on since the days of the New Testament. Since back when Jesus was physically present on the earth, people were doing this. And, and, it, and, it's, uh, and it's something that churches still do today. And in fact, we have people that are going to ID themselves this way next Sunday afternoon on our church property. And today we're going to talk about baptism. 
And, uh, and next Sunday afternoon, we're going uh, to do baptism on our church property. First time we've ever done it there. It's at 3.30. If you are interested in being baptized, and maybe after you hear what we talk about today, you'll realize that you need to be baptized. Uh, you can pick up some information on our information table or talk to me or one of our greeters, anybody that's got a name tag on. They'll tell you what you need to do. But we want you to be there even if you're not being baptized and even if you don't know anybody being baptized. We have a great time at baptism. We celebrate um, if you, you, we're going to have homemade ice cream. If you want to bring a churn of homemade ice cream, let me know that. Um, but we're, we're going to celebrate and just have a great time because baptism is a symbol of people's lives being changed by Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, when, when I talk about baptism, I always get drawn back to the same scripture in Matthew chapter 3. I get drawn back to the scripture where Jesus was baptized. And I think the reason why I get drawn to that scripture is because I'm a pretty simple guy and I like things to be in simple terms. And for me, nothing is simpler from the, about, than the fact that Jesus was baptized and we want to be like Jesus so we in turn should be baptized because he was baptized. And, uh, and I've always tempted, I've, I've never done it and I'm not going to do it today, so sorry. But I'm always tempted just to read that scripture and then look up and say, okay, what are you waiting on? Jesus was baptized. If you hadn't done it, what are you waiting on? And then just walk off the stage and be done with it. Um, but, but we are going to talk a little bit more today about, about it. And so uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 17, and just a little bit about the story of Jesus being baptized. Matthew chapter 3. Starting with verse 13. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen, so don't worry. It says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, there's a few things I think we can learn from baptism from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. The timing of baptism is important. The timing of baptism is important. Now, if you'll notice, this, uh, this story of Jesus' baptism it happens in Matthew chapter 3. Now, I don't know if you've ever read Matthew's chapter 1 and 2, but in Matthew 1 and 2, it's all the story about Jesus being born uh, and, and stuff that happened before Jesus was born and then he's born and then stuff that happened when he was a really small child. And, and so the very first time we ever see anything about the adult Jesus in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 3, and the very first thing he's doing is being baptized. See, in, in, the, in, the life, in the lifespan of Jesus on this earth, baptism happened for him before he turned water into wine, which was his first miracle. It happened for him before he preached the Sermon on the Mount, which is his most famous sermon that he ever preached. It happened for him before he chose any of his disciples. It happened for him before he fed 5,000 people with just a handful of, of bread and fish. And so for, for Jesus, baptism happened before any of the things that made him famous, before any of the things that, that people really got to know him for. The very first thing he did was he was baptized. And so for Jesus, baptism marked the beginning of his ministry on earth. And for us, baptism 
the timing of baptism is important because baptism should happen quickly after we accept Jesus. If you accept the grace of Jesus, you're living life your way, you think you've got it all under control, and all of a sudden you realize that you have sinned, that, that, that you're messed up, and you need a Savior, you need someone to forgive you of that sin, and you know the only person that can do that is Jesus because he died on the cross. And so you accept the free forgiveness, the, the grace, the mercy, the love of Jesus. You accept that, and it changes your life. Then the next step, quickly the next step should be for you to follow that up by being baptized if we want to do things the way they did it in the New Testament. One of the books that I love to read that I just got finished reading through and that we're going to be doing a message series on in the fall is uh, the book of Acts. And it's after you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. And what does Gospel mean? We talk about this all the time. Good news. So after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts tells the story of what the disciples did after Jesus left earth and went back to heaven. And it talks about them starting all these churches and going on missionary journeys and great stuff like that. And one of the things in the book of Acts that you see over and over and over again is people would have an experience where they accepted the grace of Jesus and then immediately they would be baptized. The most famous one of these is, is a guy that you've heard of named Paul. Now, what you might not know is before he was named Paul, his name was Saul, and, and he was a bad dude. In fact, he was out there doing all he could to stop Christians. He was having them thrown in jail and having them persecuted and all this kind of stuff. And, and so one day he's walking down the road and, and, and Jesus literally blinds him with a bright light before the song Blinded by the Light ever came out. That, that, that's what Jesus did to him. And, and he blinds him and, and, and he tells him, you know, you're going to be my voice now to, to spread the gospel. Paul accepts the grace of Jesus, you know, it's, it's thrust on him and he accepts it. And, and, then, and then Jesus tells this guy named Ananias, who's at another location, he says, there's this guy named Saul, I've just, I've just changed his life, I've blinded him, he's at a house, you need to go and you need to help him, and when you go to him, you're going to give him his sight back and you go and, and do what I tell you to do. Well, Ananias was a little scared to do that because Paul had been throwing Christians in jail, and Jesus said, go anyway, do what I tell you to do. And so look what happens when Ananias goes to see Paul. Look at Acts chapter 9, you can look at this on the screen. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now think about this. Think about how important baptism was in the New Testament culture. Here's Saul. He's been blinded. I don't know how, much, how, how long it was he had been blinded. But the very first thing he does after regaining his sight, before he eats, before he gets out his cell phone and starts texting his friends saying, by the way, I can see now. I know you were worried about me. I was blind. We started that prayer chain on Facebook. I just want you to know it's okay now. Before he did any of that stuff, he gets baptized. That's the very first thing he did. That's how important it was that he, Jesus had changed him and immediately he wanted to 
follow the example of Christ by experiencing the symbol of what had happened to his life. He had been changed. He said, now I want to do this so everybody will know it. There's another great story in the book of Acts after, after the story of Paul where Paul, now that he's been saved and, and he's out, he's preaching the gospel. He's got this buddy named Silas and they go and they're preaching the gospel. And for back then, if you did what I'm doing here today and what we're doing here today, they would throw you in jail. And so he's, Paul and Silas are teaching the gospel. They come and throw them in jail for, for, for doing that. And while they're in jail, there's an earthquake. Busts open all the jail cells. Everybody, prisoners start running free. And the, the jailer's about to kill himself because he knows they're going to kill me because all these guys got out. Paul and Silas holler at him, hey, don't kill yourself. We're, we're still here. He comes in there to see Paul and Silas. They tell him about Jesus. He accepts the grace of Jesus. And then look what the next verse says after he accepts the grace of Jesus. Acts 16, says this. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his family were baptized. Middle of the night, first thing he wants to do after accepting the grace of Jesus, goes home and tells his family, and all of them get baptized together. I love the fact that in the New Testament, people would accept the grace of Jesus, and then they, there was no delay. They didn't wring their hands over, oh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to do and, and this isn't the way that I you know, grew up in church doing it and all these, all these different excuses that we make. None of that was there. They just said, I got saved. Jesus changed my life. Now I want to do this public symbol of what he's done for me. I want to be sure that I do that right away. The timing in the New Testament was accept Jesus, be baptized. Now I want you to notice one more thing about the timing. The timing of baptism is important because we need to be sure that we've accepted Jesus first. We need to be sure that, that we've been transformed by Christ before we are baptized. Um, last weekend, I got, to, uh, I got to do a wedding for a great friend of mine, Ben Patat, who some of y'all know Ben. He used to play here in our band before. He's leading worship at another church. And I got to do their wedding, and I love to do weddings like that where you know I know that they love each other and they love Jesus, and those are a lot of fun. And um, and I've done several weddings over the years, a lot of weddings, and, uh, and I've done all different kinds of weddings. I've done weddings that were uh, very formal. I've done weddings that were more casual. I've done weddings that were indoors. Out, I've done weddings that were outdoors. I've, I've done them where they were in big churches. I've done weddings in people's houses. And uh, I've done weddings where there was lots of music. I've done weddings where there was hardly any music at all. But one of the things out of all the weddings I've done that, that's the same, every single wedding I've ever done, the, the bride and the groom always exchange wedding rings. Every one I've done, I've never done a wedding where they didn't exchange wedding rings. Now, why is that so important in a wedding? Well, a wedding ring is, is a symbol of what you've just done, right? Now, I've got my wedding ring on. I'm trying to take it off. I don't know if I can. There we go. This is my wedding ring. And uh, in 20 year, almost 20 years ago, Sherry put this on my finger in a church. And I've been wearing it ever since. And this... When she put this on my finger, that, that alone didn't make me married to her, right? That, that didn't make me her husband because w we had tried it on before at the jewelry store. And so if, if just putting a wedding ring on, when, when we were in the jewelry store down there in Charleston, she stuck it on my finger, we'd have been husband and wife right then. And we could have started the honeymoon early, which would have been fine with me, right? But she is going to kill me for that later, I know. But no, this... This was a symbol of what happened at the church that day, right? 
We, we went to the church that day and we exchanged vows with a pastor and, and we went through the marriage ceremony and then we signed the marriage license and all that and we were married. And this didn't make us married, but it was a symbol of what we had done. That's what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol of what Christ has done for you. Being baptized doesn't wash away your sins. We're going to do baptism next Sunday afternoon and we're, we're getting a baptistry, we're borrowing a, a portable baptistry, and we're going to fill it up with the hose that's attached to the back of the office building. There's nothing holy about that water at all, right? And so, so when we dunk you in that water, that's not what is going to wash away your sins. What washes away sins is what Jesus did on the cross. His blood washes away sins. But what, what we're going to do next Sunday is a symbol. So when, you, when you're dunked in the water, it's a symbol to say, I was dirty with sin. Jesus saved me, and this is a symbol of what he's done to my heart. Just like my whole body's being covered up with water, and when I'm going to come up, I'm going to be soaking wet. My whole life has been covered up with the grace of Jesus, and when I came up from that experience, I was soaking wet with the grace of Jesus, and now I'm forgiven and a follower of Jesus. And so it's a symbol of that. Now, of all the weddings I've ever done, I've never gone to do a wedding where we got there and the bride and groom said, you know what, we've decided that... Um, we're going to exchange rings probably two or three years after we're married. We don't really want to do it in front of everybody. Uh, we're kind of shy, and so, so we're not going to exchange rings. You just go ahead, Cliff, and do the whole wedding ceremony like you normally would. And then, I don't know, sometime later when we, when we really are sure that we're married, then we're going to exchange rings. I've never had that happen. And I've also never shown up to a wedding ceremony, and, and the bride and groom are already wearing the rings, and they said, we just got so excited, we decided to do the rings next week. We know we're not married, but we decided to go ahead and do the rings, and we'll, we'll get married you know, tomorrow when you do the, the ceremony. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because the ring is a symbol of what happened at the marriage ceremony. Baptism doesn't work to where you say, I got baptized, but then 12 years later, that's when I really accepted Jesus. If that happened, you know what you need to do? You need to be baptized again because the first time you were just getting in a pool and getting wet like you went swimming. It didn't mean anything because you had not been transformed by Jesus. So you need to be baptized again. If you really accepted Jesus this past week and you got baptized 10 years ago, you need to be baptized again. And second, if you're a follower of Christ and you've been a follower of Christ for 10 years and you're putting off baptism for some excuse, for some reason, then what are you waiting on? You, you wouldn't get married and wait to put the ring on 10 years after you got married. It's a symbol of what Jesus has done. And the New Testament timing of baptism is you accept Christ, you get baptized. Now, some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, Cliff. We're having baptism tomorrow uh, or next Sunday. How come we don't have it like every week? Well, if you, if you, get, if you get saved and you want to get baptized right away, we'll arrange one just for you if that's what you want. But what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to do that and you can come together and you can ask your friends to show up and all that kind of stuff. But I hope that, that what will happen is there will be some of you that will say, you know what, whatever excuse I've been using to keep from being baptized, I want to put that aside and I want to do this because I want people to know what Christ has done for me. Now this, that leads us to the second point that I think is so important about this passage of Scripture. Baptism is about humbling yourself. Baptism is about humbling yourself. So here's the cool thing about, about Jesus' baptism. We get baptized because we want to show that we were sinners and we've been washed clean of sin. Jesus didn't have to be baptized for that reason. 
See, Jesus didn't need to be baptized for the reason that you and I need to be baptized because he never sinned, ever. Never sinned. So, so when he shows up to be baptized, uh, uh, that, that's why in, in verse 14, look at Matthew three fourteen. that's why John says this. John the Baptist looks at him in Matthew 14 and says, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? So here's John the Baptist and he says, wait a minute. I'm the sinner here. I'm the one that's messed up. You've never sinned. You need to be baptizing me, Jesus. I don't need to be baptizing you. And I love the response of Jesus. And this is where we know that baptism is about humbling ourselves. Look at what Jesus says in verse 15. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. When Jesus said it is proper to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. What Jesus is saying there is, I am willing to do whatever it takes to comply with what God wants me to do on this earth. God is, God is using me as an example for you, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, even though I've never sinned, even though I don't need, I, I'm going to wash away everybody else's sins. No one needs to wash away my sin because I don't have any. Even though that's the case, I'm willing to humble myself as the creator of the universe, as the one who's going to die as a sacrifice for everybody else. I'm willing to humble myself enough that I would be baptized in front of all of my friends and all of the people in my community. See, baptism is such a symbol of us placing ourselves under the authority of God. We're already under the authority of God whether we, whether we realize it or not, but we fight against that. It's our natural human sinful nature that fights against being under the authority of God. But when we are baptized, what we're saying is, God, I don't want to fight against that anymore. And I'm going to place myself willingly under your authority. See, I was thinking when I was prepping this message, because since we've started this church a few years ago, Donnie and I have, we've had several conversations with people about baptism. Because baptism is an emotional issue, whether you realize it is or not. For some people, it really is. Um, because what happened was, since we don't have the, 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 uh, the name Baptist in our name, or Methodist, or Lutheran, since we don't have a, have a denominational name in the name of our church, it's just Freedom Fellowship, people show up here, and I think sometimes they think it's going to be like the church they came from. And so we'll have people come, and, and they'll be cool, man. They'll love the church, be all excited. And then when they find out that we say you've got to be completely dunked under the water, everything changes then. Well, that's not the way I grew up doing it. And, and we, people have a lot of hang-ups about baptism. And, and, but when you think about whatever the hang-ups are that you have about baptism, all of those are about us. They're about what we want. If you say... Man, I can't be baptized by immersion because my tradition was is that when I was a little baby, they sprinkled water on me when my parents were holding me. And if I get baptized by immersion, then that does away with all that, and I can't, I can't do that. Or they'll, I had people say, y'all baptize in a lake. I don't want to get baptized in a lake. Or somebody say, y'all baptize in a lake. I'm scared of a lake. I want to get baptized in a pool. Or uh, I, I got to get in there and get all my clothes wet. I mean, there's all kinds of hang-ups that people have about baptism. But whatever they are, those are all about what we want, right? Those are, those are things that we're saying, listen, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to stand up there in front of everybody and have them all looking at me. And that's all about us. But when Jesus was baptized, what did he do? 
He showed that it's not about what we want, it's about what God wants. And Jesus was saying, I'm willing to humble myself. And if anyone did not deserve to be humbled, it was Jesus. And he humbled himself to be baptized. And this was just the first step in a life that he lived of constantly humbling himself until he humbled himself to the point of being crucified on a cross for us. Obedient unto death. Even death on a cross is what the scripture says. And so for us, whatever reason we have for saying, I don't want to be baptized this time, and I don't want to be the center of attention, and blah, 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 we're really making it about us when it's about Jesus and humbling ourselves under his authority. And the last thing that I, I love about this passage of scripture is, is that baptism is going public. Baptism is going public. Look at Matthew 3, 16 and 17. It says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now think about this for just a minute. Have you ever thought about the fact that before Jesus was baptized, that no one who was there that day other than John, none of those people knew that he was the Son of God. See, we read this, and we think that everybody was standing around going, oh, here's the Messiah, he's coming to be baptized, this is going to be awesome. No, they didn't know that yet. When Jesus showed up that day, you know what they were saying? Hey, that's the dude that built the deck on the back of my house, because he was a carpenter. Hey, he did the cabinets for my daddy's house, this is awesome. I remember his dad, Joseph, he did some work on our house one time. Jesus was just a carpenter to them. They didn't know that he was the Son of God. Remember, this is before he'd done any miracles. This is before he had taught in the synagogue. He was just a carpenter from town. The only one who knew was John the Baptist because John had been supernaturally given that information from the Holy Spirit from birth. And so John the Baptist knows what's going on. Everyone else thinks this is just another guy from town being baptized. And then when he comes up out of the water... Look what it says again in verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now you talk about coming out into the open. You talk about going public with your faith. That's a big time going public where God himself says from heaven, You are my son. So now everybody who was there, no one for, that was there ever looked at him the same way again. No one who was there ever said, oh, that's just the carpenter. They said, that's the Son of God, or at least a voice from heaven said it was the Son of God, so it must be. And so Jesus, what, what happened when he was baptized, it was him going public about who he was, that he was not just a carpenter. He was not just a regular guy living in Galilee at the time, that he was the Son of Jesus, that he had, the Son of God, that he had come, he was Jesus Christ, had come to die on the cross for people's sins. And so he went completely public with what he, with what he was and what he was going, coming to do. And that's what baptism is for us. It's you going public saying, I'm a follower of Christ. God's changed me. God saved me. And I want everybody to know it. Um, I, like, I love to watch movies. I love to go to the movies. It's a lot of fun. And, and a, there's one kind of movie that I like is I love like spy movies, like espionage movies, you know. I like those kinds of things. Like those Bourne, Jason Bourne movies. Uh, I loved all those. 
And uh, I wish, hope they'll make another one, but I don't know if they will or not. But, but I love those Bourne movies. And I like any movies where, where, uh, where you got a guy or a, a girl who, uh, who they've got like five different identities and they got passports and stuff to support them and they travel around the world and no one really knows who they are and they do all this secret stuff. And I like that kind of stuff. And that's cool in movies. And, 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 I, and I'm assuming there's like really real people who do that. But we don't know who they are because we, you know, they'd have to kill us if we knew that. And so, so we don't know that. But, but there's probably real people in the world who really live that lifestyle. And I think that's pretty cool. And sometimes I fantasize, you know, about if I could disappear and nobody would know who I was and, you know, whatever. But, but I like that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. That might be cool in movies. And that might be cool to think about. But that's not the way that we should live our lives as Christians. But a lot of us try to do that. There's a, there are a lot of you that, that, you, that you live like an undercover spy for Jesus. You got three or four different identities. You got an identity at work where you're known as one thing. Then you show up here on Sunday morning and we know you're a follower of Christ. Or at least you say you are. Seem to be. Then you got an identity at, on the golf course. That's a totally different identity than what you got here at church or what you've got at work. You know, then you've got, got an identity, uh, you know, all these different places you go, you've got these different identities. And, and, and you're like an undercover spy. Jesus proved to us when he got baptized that being undercover is not, not the plan he's got for us. That what he wants for us as American Christians living here in Greer, South Carolina, is, is he wants us to be open in public and talk about our faith. And one of the ways that we do that, the beginning point of how we do that is we stand up before our friends, we invite them to be there, and we get soaking wet with our clothes on in front of everybody we know, and we let them know, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life, he's Savior for me, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my days. Baptism is about going public. So as we, as we finish up, I, I want to ask you three questions. And uh, if, you've got, if you've got your notes there and you want to write these down, um, because some of them might apply to you. you. Some of you are here, none of these will apply to you, and that's cool. But I want to ask you three questions. First question is this. Have you accepted the grace of Jesus? That's the first thing you need to deal with today. Have you accepted the grace of Jesus? The Bible says that all of us have sinned. I don't think I have to convince you of that. You know down deep in your heart, you've done some pretty nasty stuff. You've thought some pretty nasty stuff. You know that typically you want what's best for you and you don't really care about other people. That's kind of, that's, that's who we are as humans. And so the only, the only fix for that problem, the only solution is the grace of Christ. To believe that he died on the cross to believe that the blood that shed was real and to believe that that's our only hope to have our sins forgiven. So the first question you've got to ask is, have you accepted that or not? Have you accepted the grace of Jesus? The second question I want you to ask is this. Have you humbled yourself and gone public by being baptized? Have you humbled yourself and gone public by being baptized? If you've accepted the grace of Jesus but haven't been baptized yet, you know, just read, just read the New Testament. 
Just read the passage we talked about in Matthew and then read the book of Acts. And there's no way you can read that and then come back and argue with me that baptism isn't important. It was very important. And then the third question that I would ask you, and this might be more relevant for some of you here today than for the first two questions were, and that is this. Did you do it in the right order? Did you do it in the right order? If you would be here today and you would say, you know what, Cliff, I got baptized when I was 11 years old, and, but I know that I didn't accept the grace of Jesus until I was 28. You did it out of order. You put the wedding ring on before you ever got married. And you need to be baptized again. You need to get that thing in the right order. And then the, the second question, you know, the, the second idea about that is maybe, maybe you haven't been baptized and so you're, you still have the opportunity to do it in the right order, but you've been waiting a long time. Yeah, I accepted Christ 10 years ago, but I didn't get baptized because my mama was a Presbyterian and she said she'd be mad at me if I got immersed or whatever it might be. Whatever the excuse was. What are you waiting on? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this with prayer. And uh, here's what I want you to do. I'm not gonna, we're not going to have an invitation this morning where you come down the aisle. But, uh, but here's, the, here's what I want you to, to think about. Think about those three questions. If you can't answer the first question, or if you would answer the first question by saying, no, I have not accepted the grace of Jesus, I don't want you to leave today until you talk to somebody. So you can come down here when the service is over. I'll be down here. Donnie will be down here. Blake will be down here. You can talk to any of our, our um, greeters that have name tags on. You can wait till the band's done playing and grab one of them. If you see someone rolling out a, a, a pod full of nursery equipment, grab them and talk to them. But talk to somebody before you leave today about how you can accept the grace of Jesus. Now, the second one. If, if you would say, yeah, I know I'm a follower of Christ, but I've never been baptized, before you leave today, talk to one of us or pick up the baptism information on the, on the greeter's table, uh, on the information table. Our greeters are going to leave that table up long enough to where everybody has an opportunity to grab that information if they need it. And you can read through that this week. If you've got any questions, you can call us, uh, but, but be sure you do that. And then the third one, if you know if you've been baptized but you did it out of order, then you need to let us know so that you can be baptized again next week. And let me tell you something. No one's going to, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. We baptize adults at this church every time we do baptism that say, I got baptized a long time ago, but I had no idea what it was about. And Jesus didn't change my life until two years ago or two weeks ago or two months ago. We do that every time, and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, every time we do it, it's a gigantic celebration because people are excited that they got it in the right order. All right? So let's pray together, and then don't leave before you deal with those three questions. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for making the, the Scripture so clear to us. and I love the stories uh, about the life of Jesus. And, and Lord, it's humbling for me to know that when Jesus lived on this earth, that he chose to, uh, to be limited in so many of the ways that we're limited. He chose to have a human body that hurt, just like ours. and He chose to, uh, to be baptized, just like you've asked us to be. And so, Father, I pray today that you would humble me, that you would humble all of us, and that, uh, that we would willingly and with excitement place ourselves under your authority. 
We know that you created us. We know that you saved us. And we know that you're our only hope. And Father, today and for the rest of our lives, we want to live like that. Thank you for this day. Thank you for our mothers. Thank you for their example of sacrifice that they give us day in and day out. And I pray that this would be a blessed day for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.